To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers welcome to the opinionated bench warmers podcast episode 99 this is Rob, and I'm here with my co-host, Loso is back, and Ramon. What's up, fellas? How y'all feeling? Good, man. Good. I mean, I'm glad to have it. I'm, I know the listeners probably missed this sexual chocolate voice. I'm just kidding, but I really do miss you guys. <laughs> I really do miss you guys, and I miss talking ball with y'all. <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that up, bro. Normally, I'm ready to jump right on in and say what I got to say, but I don't even know what to say after what we just heard right there. But welcome back, bro. Honestly, we've been waiting for you to come back. Not particularly whatever voice you were just talking about. I haven't been waiting on that, but have been waiting on you to come back to the pod. So definitely glad to have you back. I know that the listeners are excited to have all three of us back in the fold, and I ain't going to hold it up anymore. We can go ahead and get rolling, bro. Yeah, all three of the co-hosts are back. We back better than ever. Like I always say, make sure you follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us, though, opinionated Benchwarmers, if that's your cup of tea. Hey, uh, let, me you question, the, let me ask you a question, Rob, before you get into it deep. This guy, this guy, <laughs> look, look how he comes <laughs> back to it. No, hold, no, hold, hold up. Let me ask you a question. This is kind of off topic. If we had a big three name, what would you kind of go with? Like, you know, there's a three Musketeers, the three, the big three as big three names. You know what I'm saying? What big three name you think we would go with? I don't know, man. I the opinionated bench warmers. Hey, <laughs> now that's unique. That's unique. Thinking outside the box. Yeah. All right. Let's get into Lose it. going to get him in, in, in back in tune with things. He's a little rusty in the pot. He's just happy to be back. But like I was saying, if you want to listen to it, make sure you subscribe on all our platforms, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, make sure that you are subscribed. If you haven't done so, leave a review, please. And we're going to jump right into it. Some big sports stories. We'll start no further than Kyrie Irving's finding himself in some hot water. Miraman discussed it on the last episode, but there have been further progressions. Uh, just to catch everybody up to speed, it has been reported that the Brooklyn Nets is saying that Kyrie Irving is not allowed to be uh, a part of the team, essentially, until he's fully participated, in quotes. And basically, the, with the mandate, Kyrie Irving is unable to practice or a, unable to play home games because he's not vaccinated. Uh, the report most recently says that Kyrie Irving is not anti-vaccine, but he's trying to be the voice of the voiceless. He doesn't agree with people losing their job because of vaccination mandates uh well even in the the kicker is the most recent 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 report is saying that the brooklyn nets will not extend Kyrie. so this thing is getting deeper and deeper it's getting worse and worse uh i think that me and ramon left off saying that we were pretty confident that he would give in but it looks like this thing is gonna last a little longer than we expected what do you fellas make of this right now yeah I, i'll pass my along my thoughts on it you know, um, since you guys kind of covered it a little bit last episode. But what I would say is, I think, um, you know, with looking at what he said was he's not non, he's not anti-vaccine, which saying, hey, he, he pretty much willing to get the vaccine. So that's how I take that. But he wants to right now set a statement. So how long he holds this statement is to be determined, right? You know, so he can say, hey, I made this, this statement for the people that has, doesn't have a voice and people that are losing their jobs or whatever you have it. Um, but I think he's going to do this temporarily. And then eventually he's going to get vaccinated. He's missing out on money. 
He has teammates that's been depending on him. They have championship. They're one of the top two or three teams to be favorites. He's not going to let this go long. You know what I mean? He's going to eventually turn over. But right now, we we know Kyrie. Kyrie's always walked the path less traveled. You know, that's just the way he do. That's the way he he operates. He he doesn't care what people think of him. He's said that before. Um, And so I just think this is one of those things that is only going to be a temporary thing, maybe for maybe maybe miss a month of the season or something like that, or, you know, a few weeks of the season, and then he's going to get vaccinated and he's going to be back. You know, I think it's, I don't even know what the rules are, but I have to double check, but I think he had to have at least one shot and working towards being vaccinated before he can play. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that that's correct. Because that's kind of the same thing that happened with Andrew Wiggins. Of course, we know he was resistant as well and pretty much tried to even get like a religious kind of, you know, exemption from it that didn't go his way. And so he got the first shot and basically they cleared him at that point Um, with the Kyrie situation. Y'all have essentially covered it. The one thing that I'm really going to say with it is I, I get the fact that I had different moments, you being a voice for the voiceless. But honestly, in what Kyrie is doing, that's not going to change what a chemical plant in Louisiana is going to do with their workers. That's not going to change what a hospital in Texas is going to do with their workers as far as requiring a vaccination and potentially letting people go. So at the end of the day, this stance that he's having to be a voice for the voiceless, to stand up for those who may lose their job because they decided not to get vaccinated, is honestly, in my opinion, going to be fruitless. There's going to be nothing that essentially comes from it other than potentially him harming, you know, that locker room, him potentially them losing some games. Now, do I know and understand that eventually winning can cure all pretty much? Um, But we do know when a situation gets toxic, how things can go left. So honestly, things are still up in the air. If you still ask me today, I do think at some point he'll come around. But Kyrie is a wild card. You almost never know what he's going to do. Yeah, I mean Kyrie is we we know that his his he's a just like you said uh, um I mean he's unpredictable. Uh he's a he's a guy if if I was a franchise manager, I would probably want nothing to do with him. I don't think that the talent really um excuses his behavior and what it is. Uh he he's been one to go against the grain. Uh at this point, the message that you're sending because it's beyond anti-vax, I mean people are losing their lives due to a virus. And, you know, that that is scientifically proven. That's something that we can see. That's something that we can feel. That's something that we have experienced. Uh, So the message that you're sending by not getting the vaccination, saying you're being the voices of people losing their jobs, everything, every decision that you make has a consequence. And that is the consequence if you're choosing to not abide by the requirements. And the requirement is not killing people. The requirement is to protect people from a virus that is scientifically proven that vaccination significantly heightens the chance that this virus can uh, can, not, uh, can no longer spread. So I think that it's just, it's, it's hypocrisy. Um, I, I could only imagine how KD and, and James Harden feel because they came together with the plan to come together to make to make the championship game. And now you have one of your best players. The spearhead is just off on a tangent. I don't think that these objects fit. Uh, we also know how Kyrie is about philanthropy. We know that the great things that he does in the community, but I think that it's just one of those portions of him that's just, just causing it. It just doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. And I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's sad to see. Um, but I mean, Brooklyn had, Brooklyn has made their stance quite clear that if you're not going to abide by those requirements we don't want to extend you which i don't blame them and hey when you decide that you want to become a full participant by getting vaccinated then we'll welcome you back in open arms but until then you know you gotta just stay away from the team yeah and, and i think one quick thing on it as well I think that Brooklyn is setting the precedent for any other organization that may have to face this, that pretty much is going to turn into an all or nothing situation. We were seeing at first that maybe, okay, maybe you'll be able to play role games. Maybe you'll be able to participate here and there. But Brooklyn said, hey, we're going to hold your feet to the fire. If this is what you're going to stand on, we're going to see if you fully want to stand on this and we're going to make it all or nothing. And I think that that's the precedent that you'll see going forward. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with this. Like you, Ramon, I feel like eventually he's going to give in to it. Whatever message he feels like he's sending, once it's sent, 
he'll go ahead and give in to it. But I can't see him leaving all of that money on the table. And I think that he still wants to get a championship. Uh, so if that's all y'all got on it, Los, you got something else on it? All right, we good to go. So we're going to move on to some even sadder news is John Gruden. Uh, recently, that story took a spiral. Did we cover this last episode, Ramon? I don't think we didn't we really did. get a chance to. Everything yeah. happened so quickly. Yeah, it, it unpacked quickly. Uh, if you don't know, with, with former head coach John Gruden, he was resigned from being the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders due to some emails that um, that unpacked. Uh, the last time we recorded, it was the beginning of the story. And it was just a couple emails, more specifically directed at the director of the NFL PA, I think it was. Yeah, NFL PA, like Demar Smith. Yeah. Demar Smith. And it, it, he called him some racial slurs there. And but now it's like over like a hundred thousand emails that they have investigated, and they're saying it involved uh not only racial racism slurs, it involved uh sexism uh with, with female referees, it involved uh anti-gay remarks or you know, you know, just all types of like every group that you could ever offend, he did it in one in an email thread uh pasting over uh I think seven seven years, seven to seven to ten years. Seven to ten years. Um, yeah, so it's something that he uh, it unfolded, was reported by the New York Times, and John Gruden decided that he was going to resign uh, last night. And um, so he's no longer the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I don't think um, he was the former face of ESPN Monday Night Football. I think that we all could say that we enjoyed his commentary, but um, it, it doesn't surprise me. It, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I don't I know that he apologized, but the apology to me, I think that that's the thing. I think everybody makes mistakes. But when you kind of just uh, look at his apology, just saying that he didn't mean to hurt anyone. Well, that's no accountability there, because everything you said was directed. You know what you said to Demaris was degrading. It was to meant to hurt him, you know, and, you know, it's just no accountability there. And I think it was more of an apology. Uh, it felt like to me was that I'm sorry that I got caught. If I would have known these emails would have leaked, I would have never wrote those emails. And I mean, I'm all about people getting second chances and I'm all about um, what's meant to, to be private should be kept private. But in things like this, I think that, you know, I think ultimately he didn't deserve to be a leader or a head coach in the, in the NFL, especially if the NFL is trying to call themselves moving towards the direction of, of ridding themselves of racism and sexism and classism and all of those types of things. Yeah, I think you nailed it, man. I think you nailed it because it's just interesting because we don't know what goes on in private. We don't know what happens in text messages. We don't know what happens when in closed doors, when, you know, all these, they saying they want to move forward and all this. Granted, all this stuff happened, you know, before he was the head coach of the Raiders and all that. But, you know, the things that you said, that's stuff that just didn't change over time. You know, that was something that's inside that's ingrained in him, you know, saying those type of things and saying that even about um, the NFL PA guy, Demarcus Smith, you know, about his lips being big, you know, those are racist things that are in you, you know what I mean? That's not something that's just kind of changed. That's the way you're, you're thinking, you know, and living, you know, and it's just odd enough that, um, you know, with NASA being the first openly gay person or player um, being on his team, you know, it's just how it all worked. And he said all these, like you said, gay slurs and things like that. And it's just funny because just last year they were moving forward, like you mentioned, Rob, with all these new new protests and new things and putting it on their helmet and putting it in the end zone. And then this league, you know, and then the NFL handed over to the Raiders and said, hey, do what you need to do as far as, you know, making your decision before we leak this. Eventually it's going to come out. You know, we don't know the exact words, but eventually it's going to come out exactly what was said and what was happened. And I think they gave him too much respect in my opinion too much respect and let him get ahead of it you know what i mean let him get ahead of it say his statements and get out of there and resign you know to fight and not be a distraction you know really they they really did him a favor on the way out in my opinion you know if he's really out there saying these things and being racist you know show it you know lead it what i understand is it happened with an investigation with the redskins because the redskins are under investigation with a lot of workplace stuff that was going on and then it was part of email chains that they found. And so that's how I was discovered. The NFL was already investigating and they handed it over to the Raiders and said, hey, y'all need to handle this pretty much. And they watched how they handled it. Um, but again, they did them a favor, but I think they did them too much of a favor. 
Yeah, no, no, I agree with you that. Um, and just kind of really two things on it. You know, one thing was that uh, I was listening to Keyshawn Johnson speak, you know, yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, and he was just talking about how he knew, you know, basically that John Gruden was this type of guy that basically he was the type of guy that will smile in your face and really behind your back will be talking about you. And and he called John Gruden to the table on a lot of things. And people gave Keyshawn Johnson the bad rap back in the day to pretty much just say he was the loose cannon. He was the one stirring up stuff, but he was actually being pretty uh, dead on and pretty head on with how he was assessing John Gruden. And so he recently spoke out about it. And like you said, with it being a part of that investigation, you know, and not trying to make light of this at all, but I know that there's probably some other teams and coaches and uh, GMs that are probably going back and trying to delete some emails right now or seeing how they can scrub pretty much sure. everything that they've had out there in the past uh, that's probably sitting there sweating right now and hoping that nothing comes out on them because I'm sure that John Gruden was not the sole voice out there in the NFL that was doing these things. And so I'm pretty sure that there are several others that are right now doing whatever they can to see if they can scrub some things. Yeah, real quick, I just, I'm sorry, Rob. Uh, real quick, I just wondering who was he coordinating, talking back and forth with? You know, that hasn't been talked about. Like, who are you accountable enough to say this stuff to? You know what I'm saying? Is this person out the league already? Is this person, you know what I'm saying? That's that's something else that I was just kind of thinking about. Doing this. A part, part of it too, I think that they were saying too, I could be wrong on this, but that there's like another family member or something that's in leadership, uh, previously in leadership within an organization or so too, that there was some exchange going back and forth with. But um, I, I, I could be wrong on that piece, but I feel like I heard something with that. But like you said, that's going to be, just interesting to see how this continues to unfold and to see if we see some other big time names get mentioned as well. Yeah, I think uh, some of the emails I know is with Bruce Allen, a former president of the Washington football team. So that that was where that's a guy that, you know, and you know, wish Washington football team was under scrutiny with their owner. And uh, but uh, what, what kind of triggers me and bothers me, I think these guys are, are as we know, are in cahoots because the owner, Mark Davis of the, of the NFL, um, Las Vegas Raiders, of course, he was asked about it today because we were caught on a Wednesday night, which is the first day, uh, which is the night of the first day of the first practice that Las Vegas has practiced since these remarks and these events has taken place. The only thing that he could say when asked about this, this event was, uh, I have no comment, ask the NFL, they have all the answers. Um, to me, whether you're frustrated about how things went down, I think that that was not the right thing to say it makes me look at him side-eyed. Like, it, it kind of confirms what I already knew about him. You hired a known racist. You knew that he was racist. And you, you instead of you, uh, you know, in typical Trump fashion, instead of you, I guess, uh, you know, talking uh, illy about it or, or, or correcting that, you know, you still, you don't, you, you don't want to do that, you know, but you would rather point to another issue to kind of, kind of like, I guess swerve the 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 media, you know what I mean? Like he didn't down it. Like the right thing for owner to say is that that's not the right behavior. That's not the that's not what we stand for. But instead of that, I have no comment and ask the NFL. They have all the answers. Like what kind of response is that as an owner and as a player, as a locker room? How do you feel playing for an owner like that? Yeah, that that, that definitely can to implode your locker room. You know. Um, you know, I seen the, the quarterback come out and say, Derek Carr said, I love the guy, but hate the sin. You know what I'm saying? So still straddling that old fence, man. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nobody really wants to like, you know, say, hey, that's messed up. And I'm, I'm sure there's players in that locker room just like, you know, hey, I knew it. One thing that I also saw was, you know, when we gave this guy and we called him crazy was Antonio Brown. You know, this is kind of off subject, but he called it, came out and said, hey, Big Ben sucks. Big Ben has been sucking. He said Juju is nothing without him. Juju hasn't been the same without him. He also said that John Gruden had issues and was racist. I mean, you know, the dude has been like, I know he had his issues to himself, but the dude has been spot on so far. Looking back on it. So I'm yeah. Just yeah. No, yeah. he has. He has. And one thing, like you said, I mean, Keyshawn got similar treatment back in the day, too, with some of the stuff he said. So just seeing all that come to light. Well, it's sad. And John Gruden. He can forget getting another job in the league. I'd be highly surprised. 
but it's just like last episode. I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a Michael Bird and I stand on that, Ramon. I told you last episode that there are plenty of talented minority coaches that are in the NFL that aren't awarded awarded prestigious jobs like head coach in this league, and it needs to be corrected. But you would rather put a racist who hadn't really even accomplished anything, who wasn't even a great coach. You know, he looked up in, in Tampa Bay and got a great group of guys together and was able to put fire under them and they was able to win a Super Bowl. And he's able to get constantly get jobs because of that. Signed a 10-year, $100 million contract with the Los Angeles, with the Las Vegas Raiders. And now he's leaving money on the table. I'm telling you, man, you got to stop, stop hiring what stop looking at a race or gender of what it is and hire the best talent and teams once they start hiring the best talent they watch they watch their teams take off watch it take off why the trend takes off where maybe i'm going off on a tangent where we hired a McVay and not all the nfl coaches trying to hire a white young up-and-coming <laughs> agent it's not working out for anybody you know it's just like when is the trend going to happen where i'm going to hire the talented minority or the most talented person for the head coach position. I mean, that's just food for thought on my end. Yeah, no, no, I like that because, again, it, it speaks to the NFL. Anytime that teams are starting to get compensated, they're starting to get picks. If they hire a minority, that tells you it's a problem. You know, like the Rams are one of the first teams to start getting picks because we built up this um, scout and he got hired by the Lions as their GM. And we got a comp pick, a third round comp pick for that. You know, and it's just it's you get actually two third round picks in the year that you come and in the, in the following year. So that speaks to it that it's a problem anytime they're trying to give you picks. Hey, please hire minorities. You get compensated third picks. Now, I don't want them to be hiring people for the wrong pick, reason to get a third round pick. But it just speaks to there is a problem if you got to be compensated to hire people, hire talent. I agree, man. Y'all said it all. I can't cover it any any way different than what y'all already said, man. Well, yeah, yeah, John can good luck, John. But he made he'd have made enough money. But the it, you hate to see you, you, I mean you hate to see it, but you love to see it at the same time. Man. Like just like I mean, you were saying with the last situation, there are consequences for your actions, and this is one that even points to that in a greater degree. So he's getting what he deserves. Exactly, exactly. So here we are. Los is recording with us. Of course, we're entering into week six of the NFL season. Or week five. Yeah, I think it's week six. Yeah. Week yeah. Six, wow, man. man, this season flying by. So we kind of gave on uh, last episode, me and Ramon kind of gave our scope of the league. Los, what have you seen so far after five weeks of NFL action? And tell us about your Rams. But don't. But tell us about the scope before you get into your round. <laughs> no, I, I think you look at the scope of the league, man. It's been fun. It's been a. It's been a different year, right? It's, you know, you see teams emerging. You see teams that are what that we expected to be good, not doing so good. You know, talking about the Chiefs. You know, one of those teams that have not been as hot. Team people are writing them off already. You see um, the Chargers, who have been surprisingly good, or a team that has came out of pretty much nowhere. They're playing good defense. They play in shootouts. They're playing in close games, you know, and that just speaks really well to Brandon Staley, who's my pick for to be the coach of the year, um, basically coming from, you know, being an outside linebacker coach for the Broncos and then obviously getting hired for the Rams as their defensive coordinator and then getting a head coaching position uh, with the Chargers. So, you know, his his really – him ascending really was really quick and he's doing well in this first year. And you look listen to some of his press conferences. Very smart coach. You know, he talks about the reason to run the football. You know, if you haven't seen that clip from Brandon Staley, please look it up and how he talks about breaking down and why a team runs a football, not to run the football to play action, but you run the football to force the defense to tackle. It's a physical aspect of the game. You wear down that team. You make them tackle. And, you know, comparative to throwing the football you know, sometimes you're going to have an incomplete pass. The team is not forced to tackle there. They're not forced to be physical. They're, it doesn't wear them down, you know, or, you know, depending on where the ball goes, maybe you throw it to the side of the field or another side, you know, this team doesn't have to tackle this way. There's a physical aspect of the game of running the football. He broke it down so elegant way. I'm just paraphrasing him here, but, and, you know, it just makes so much sense. You know, a lot of teams run the football to pass it. And he's saying, no, you run the football to win games. And so, 
yeah, again, if you haven't heard that, I would say listen to that. Um, but again, the scope believe is crazy right now. Dallas Cowboys are doing well. America's team, um, you know, the Saints have been winning well. You know, the Colts have been struggling. You know, it's just been a great, great. I had to say that last <laughs> little go, part right there. there. Like, you, so, you, you so, said, Brian, so kind, yeah. kind, of, kind of add some perspective to this conversation. <laughs> who's your, who's so Lowe's, who's your, um, who's your surprise team this year? I would uh, say the Chargers. Chargers, and who's who's the team that that you would expect been doing better? The Chiefs. The Chiefs. Yeah. What? what so that, let's stop there right now for our Kansas City Chiefs fans, because I think it is a good conversation, man. Here, the Kansas City Chiefs are two and three at the moment. Am I right on that? Yes. Yeah. Two and three. Um. What? What? I mean, I think to me, the blaring hole there is defense, man. Uh, their defense is terrible. Yeah. You know, and I think in in past years, I guess they've been able to outscore teams. But I think I really think that what what's ha, what has been overlooked is kind of how the Chiefs in the playoffs. Who was they? Who were they playing in the playoffs that they shut uh, Tyreek Hill down? I think it. I, me and you watching that game together, and we said this is how teams going forward are going to play. The who was it? Tampa Bay. Yeah, it was Tampa Bay. It was Tampa Bay. Black they shut everybody down. Black coach, come on, man. Black coach, get black coach. Bowls, tie bowls, tie bowls. Implemented kind of like a bracket style defense in that Super Bowl, and it was a bracket kind of with two safe, two high safeties, and that basically took Tyreek Hill out of the game, and it took those big plays out of the game. It forced kind of what they don't want to do is have to throw underneath and have to run the ball, but. Ty Bowles implemented that, and I kid you not, for the first five weeks of the season, you are seeing every NFL team implement that. That's how they're playing these Kansas City Chiefs. On obvious passing downs, on most times, they're running a too-high safety look. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit. So this past week, the, the Chiefs played the Bills. Um, the defensive coordinator for the Bills is Leslie Frazier, coming from the Vikings. You know, he's one of the probably a good defensive mind coach. He said after the game, again, paraphrasing here, that – you know, they were comfortable sitting back and just playing the Chiefs. And what I mean by that is he didn't blitz. He said we didn't blitz them because he knew Patrick Mahomes would tear him up at that point. They brushed their three to four linemen and they sat back and just played football, kept the ball in front of them. And so, again, that goes into what Ty Bowles did to them. They were sitting back and, you know, you take out, you take away Tory Kill, you give Kelsey his, but don't let him go off. And then they struggle with that third option on the Chiefs. That's their issue. They don't have a good run game. And then Patrick Mahomes has to be the superhero. He can't do that every game. Teams are figuring that out. And then, again, you look at their defense, right? Their defense is missing players. Chris Jones, who's an important player. Right now they got them playing on the outside. Put him back in the inside over the center where he's getting that direct pressure. You know, that, that, that's also a struggle because you got him outside. You got more running quarterbacks now. Josh Allen had a field day running on them. You know what I'm saying? They're going to probably eventually see the Ravens at some point down the road if they make it to the playoffs. You got to, again, that's not Chris Jones' position. So they're in a position right now, I think they're trying to find their identity. I think they will find it. They have too much talent on their team. But right now, I think teams are figuring it out. It's almost like that year when everyone found, figured out the Sean McVay system. All it took was the Bears coming in and stopping that jet sweep motion, play action, you know, all it takes is one team to set the blueprint. Everybody else going to go and find their own blueprint of that and, and run that against you until you figure it out, you know. So that that's just my piece on it. Yeah, and I think, you know, in times past, as, you know, y'all kind of alluding to, we've, in a sense, overhyped the amount of weapons that have really been there in Kansas City. Um, to be honest, you got Tyreek Hill and you got Travis Kelsey. You know, outside of that, if you can slow that down, it hasn't been a vaunted run game, as you've mentioned. They haven't really found that third guy. They're hoping maybe Josh Gordon can be that guy, but you can't ever put true confidence in him. Uh, so it's just going to be interesting to see how this continues to shake out because I really don't see that defense improving or, or, you know, reaching greater strides anytime soon. Like, there are big-time issues. I mean, it's literally, I think, ranked at the bottom of the league right now. Like, I think it's the 32nd-ranked defense in the league right now. Um, so, I mean, they, they just have some big-time issues, and we would have never thought coming into this season that they would be sitting at the bottom of their division. 
So yeah, so um, so do you guys think that it's overreaction or just reaction? Do you think that this is who they are? Do you think they're just going to be struggling all throughout the season, or do you see? I guess do you see them making the playoffs? I guess. I think ultimately they'll get it to a point that they make the playoffs. When you got a guy still to me like a Patrick Mahomes, I can't see Patrick Mahomes, you know, even with the situation the way it is, that they'll miss the playoffs. Um, but, you know, it's not the the Vaunted Chiefs that, you know, pretty much, I'm going to be honest from my standpoint, for years I've said I'm just going to have them pretty much penciled in on that side to go to the Super Bowl year after year. That's honestly how I felt about the AFC. I felt that for years it was just going to run through the Chiefs, and we're seeing that that's not the case right now. Yeah, what an amazing game, just kind of backing up, uh, giving some outlook of week five. Uh, what, what an amazing game by Lamar Jackson and, and the Ravens against your Colts. I know I, I know it hurts us to talk about this for a moment, so I'll just, I'll just defer to you. How did you feel in that fourth quarter overtime period? Bro, you know how I felt in that period, bro. You know. I just wanted to know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I no, didn't talk I, to you that night. Yeah, man. Honestly, I, I kind of saw it coming eventually in that fourth quarter. Uh, one thing to really mention, we already came into the game, and this is not to have excuses, just, just the facts. Came into the game down two DBs, and then you lose two or three other DBs to where you're pretty much playing practice squad players um, in that fourth quarter in overtime. And there's no way that you're going to be able to defend Mark Andrews to defend Hollywood Brown and any of those other weapons with practice squad players. Uh, The key thing for me, if you just bring it all simply down to me to one particular call, one particular series that I had the biggest problem with. And this is when the game, it was a little bit over five minutes left on the clock. We had a third down and eight. We were driving. We were in, you know, already in field goal range at the time. But Frank Reich just decided, okay, we're just going to play for the field goal here. We're not going to put the ball in Carson Wentz hands to really have an opportunity to convert and try to continue to march down for a touchdown. Now, Carson Wentz in this game threw for over 400 yards. It was one of the best games that he had played outside of, of course, the fumble that he had earlier in the game. And I felt that he should have had some confidence in the offense. They were struggling with Michael Pittman. Paris Campbell had kind of gotten loose a little bit. You still had Pascal that was making some plays. Give one of those guys a chance. Give them an opportunity to make a play on third and eight and try to go and march it in for a touchdown. You set yourself up for a field goal when you already know that your kicker is hurt. Like your kicker comes into the game with a messed up hip, which is why we, of course, have had to sign another kicker. And um, I, I just didn't understand why things got so conservative there when the Ravens were struggling most of the game to stop the offense. And so you know that your defense is bleeding. Go ahead and try to get the largest lead that you can possibly get. Hey, granted, in hindsight, if they kick, you know, kick the field goal, it doesn't get blocked, and we go up two scores there, is the game probably different? Yes, but exactly when he was doing it, I wasn't a fan of the move. And then as you progress throughout the rest of regulation and it's overtime, I didn't understand why he wasn't using timeouts to give his defense a breather. You saw the defensive linemen, they couldn't get any rush. Obviously, you're covering on the back end with practice squad players. Give those guys a breather. Give them a break. Take at least one timeout to give them a rest. And you just, he to me just sat there and just let it unfold and said, hey, there's nothing I can do about it and threw his hands up. You know, now granted, still hats off to Baltimore Ravens for continuing to do what they did. I mean, Lamar Jackson is is brilliant. You know, he's can be a lead MVP candidate, but at the end of the day, of course, on my end, I do feel we gave it away. Man, it sounds painful for you to say that at the end. It's like, congrats to them. I mean, he's great. He's MVP. I mean, <laughs> he did his thing. But, you know, we gave it away, though. That sounds painful at it the end. It is painful, bro. No, I, I agree with you, though, man. It, even the coach said he regretted at the end of the game. I saw Frank Wright. He came out and said he wished he was more aggressive, you know, especially what was going on with y'all kicker, obviously, with his hip. And I believe he said a hip issue or something going on with him. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, it was just odd, very odd. You just played safe. He's played scared, which was different from how they were playing first half. They even came out in the second half to start the football game aggressive. They were doing right-away play actions, you know what I'm saying? It was just like, whoa, okay, cool, you know, and then Michael Pittman went over the top. It's just – they just, like, they got the lead and they just sat on it. It was just like, well, 
we good. We just need to get to the end. Let's just get to the end. Let's just get to the end. You know, like it just felt, it just, like you said, you can just kind of feel the momentum switching. You just feel it like, all right, they're playing around. They go, they cannot play with their food here, you know? So it's just like, you got to put the dagger in teams in the NFL. It's just, the league is just too crazy. You got to put the dagger in them. Yeah, man. And, and just talk about Lamar Jackson. He had a very, very special night and a, a historical night. I mean, that's hard to believe in his young career that he's still having historic nights uh, through for 442 yards, uh, 37 for 43 on his passes and through for four touchdowns. He, I mean, he looked good, man. I mean, whether he's facing third and second string corners, that's neither here nor there. I mean, he, he looked pretty accurate as athletic. He had 60, 60 rushing yards to add on to it. Uh, pretty special dude, man. He just reminded kind of like the NFL and the league on notice is just how special he can be. And, you know, he, I don't know about y'all, but he really gives me Michael Vick vibes, man. He really does. And uh, just to be so young, he's only 24 and still getting better. Uh, if he able can, to continue to get more accurate on his passes, uh, he's going to put the league on notice, man. And I think that, that, that the Ravens, he got a, a big time contract on his way. Yeah. And to, to go along with what you were saying about Vic, you know, I know that Vic has always been a legend for us and someone that we looked to when we were younger. I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I think Lamar Jackson is better, but Hey, that's me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I'm not mad at it, bro. They, they, you know, Lamar, cause more had his, I mean, I even talked to an OG about Lamar's game compared to Mike Vic. And I, I say Mike Vic could fly. Mike Vic could fly, but when it comes to change of direction with Lamar, and explosiveness and change of pace, I've never seen any, anything like that. Never. I don't think anybody has. Uh, I, and I agree. I mean, to be that good at this young, he's only going to get better. And he has a head coach that believes in him. We've already seen two instances this season where the game was close. And he's like, Lamar, you want to go for it? And Lamar's like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. You know, just putting the game in his hands. I love to see him, him and Coach Harbaugh's relationship. Lamar Jackson, I think we couldn't gloss over that. Lamar Jackson, we was watching – something that we may not see for a while. And that's that's some special stuff that we saw on Monday Night Football. Uh, one of my favorite players to watch in the league for obvious reasons. But um, so here we are, man. Uh, fantasy football, man. Fantasy football implications. Uh, we got a fantasy guy back on the podcast, Loso. Uh, we not going to hold. We going to stay get out the way, man. Who, who surprised you so far fantasy-wise and performance-wise? Uh, I mean, there's a few guys that – I mean, I don't know if it necessarily surprised me, but there's guys out there that's been kind of tearing up these first few weeks. Um, you know, Cooper Cup being one, you know, I'll just go to, I didn't really touch on the Rams, you know, in our earlier segment, but Cooper Cup being one, you know, he's, he was, he's been tearing up the league and then him and that Stafford connection has been real good. And, you know, Stafford himself, you know, he's, you know, he's, his last game was shaky, but he's been looking like, you know, an MVP type player as well, you know, and let's talk about Herbert, you know, you just mentioned Lamar Jackson, those quarterbacks, and then, you know, of course you got to mention Kyler Murray, you know, Kyler Murray is just special, man, the last undefeated team in the NFL. Yeah, right now, I love him some Kyler this year. You know, and I was so glad I was able to get him in one of our leagues, and Ramon dropped him in the league. I was just so happy that. Oh, wow. Hey, hold on, hold on. Phrase this properly, because people would think that we started the season and I oh, dropped yeah, Kyler right. Murray. You're this right, is you're a right. keeper league keeper in I was able to keep two players from my previous squad, and right. I kept Christian McCaffrey and Terry McLaurin. So, clearly, I mean, for the listeners be like, how in the world did he drop Kyler Murray? Right, right, right. You're right. You know, he kept, you know, McLaurin over Kyler Murray. So it was just one of those things that I was glad that he did that. And I was able to scoop him up two picks, two or three picks before he was on the clock. And I was able to have him because he's a weapon, man. With his feet, he's a goal line running back, you know. And with his weapons he have with A.J. Green there, he's just a complete steal. He's a weapon. So, you know, those are a couple of quarterbacks that we're talking. But just like – Smaller, if you're talking smaller guys, who who you thinking, Ramon? You just about to mention somebody? No, one guy you were talking about the whole Herbert connection, Mike Williams, man. Oh, bang. Yeah. Mike Williams been Mike blowing Williams, it up. Yeah, he's been surprising. <laughs> and one of those guys, Mike Williams, one of those guys, uh, we, we're so spoiled as NFL fans because we watch a Odell Beckham or a Justin Jefferson, or we might look at a Jamar Chase, uh, or guys that hit the hit the ground running as a receiver when he comes in. 
But conventionally, it takes a receiver a couple of years before they settle into the league and be dominant. We've seen that with DJ Moore, and now we're seeing that with Mike Williams. It really takes at least three years for a receiver to develop. Man, Mike has developed, and Mike has become a serious, serious weapon for the, the San Diego Chargers, man. You can't speak enough about Los Angeles. <laughs> San Diego. Oh, oh, <laughs> you brought it way back. back, back. You well, our young it. listeners, they're yeah. like, what is San Diego? Right. San Diego? Yeah, hey, yeah, not so. to change the subject too much, too. What I heard basically through that pretty much, too, is that LSU is wide receiver you pretty much. Oh, yeah. When you yeah. talk about the young guys 100%. that are able to come in from year one, you named three LSU guys right there. So just throwing that out there. Staying on that subject a little bit, though, Rob and Ramon, I would just say, you know, think about preseason, right? When we're talking fantasy and we're talking about people in drafts and how this player, and I'm talking Jamar Chase, was starting to slip, right? Because everybody, oh, he's dropping. He's dropping the ball. He he had the jitters. Just people, relax, man. Like my boy A-Rod say, Aaron Rodgers say, relax. You know, like yeah. the dude's been off a year playing football, literally a whole year playing football, and he jumps into the NFL and people expect it to be smooth. He plays four or five plays, you know what I'm saying, and he drops a ball or two and they're just like, oh, he can't catch the ball. He's struggling in practice as well. You know, I took advantage of that in every draft I had. If I got a chance to, I let I say, if he fall out this round, I don't care who's still there in the round, I'm taking him because, again, you just that connection with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and what they did in college, you're not going to tell me that this guy is not going to show up and perform. He's been performing every week with that team. Every week he's been showing up, making big plays. The one catch a couple weeks ago when he just stabbed the ball out the sky, like that's talent, man. That's pure mm -hmm. talent. And, you know, he's setting records. His name is next to Randy Moss, you know, things that Justin Jefferson did last year. It's just two special talents, and it just speaks to that 2019 LSU team that is just different. You know what I mean? Oh, like you greatest. won't see that again. We won't yeah, see that type of talent. Greatest football team of all time. Yeah, so guys, just stand on like a fantasy tip here. Uh, I'm sure we would like to install this weekly segment since all three of us are here. I would like to, going forward, name one fantasy player to just help our fantasy player listeners out. One fantasy player and DFS players. Who you feel is going to have – which fantasy player you feel like is going to have an outstanding week six or who has the best matchup this week? I know I put you all on the spot. I'll go first if y'all need some time. I can uh, go. All right. So week six, who is your week six? Who are you expecting to have a big week this week? No, I mean, I wouldn't say a big week, but I would just say one fantasy player that's not a huge name, right? That's not probably you, – you probably won't wake up and you won't think about it. But I would say Ricky Seals-Jones. He played 99% of the snaps last week. He's a guy that if you have a Tunyon who's been stinking up the place this year, He's an easy swap out. You got, obviously, you know, Thomas, they're starting tight end with the Redskins going out for pretty much the year. He's going to miss some time, right? And you pick up a Ricky Seal Jones. He's playing 99% of, uh, of the plays. He's running routes on, I think, 40 to 50% of the plays. You have to get that guy and put him in your starting lineup, especially with buys and stuff coming up. And you have Kyle Pitts, you know, if you have him in the league, who's going to be out this week. Um, you know, and all these buys and you're going to be missing your tight end. Even if you have the flex option to put him in there, he has performed. He's still a young player. I think he's 26 years old and he got eight targets last week. He had six catches, um, you know, and then you look at the weapons with the Redskins. They're banged up. You know, you have um, I'm drawing a blank football on football team. Curtis. Yeah. Kurt. Yeah. Washington football team. But Curtis. Um, um, Curtis Samuel. We need a, we need a yeah. money jar for that. Yeah. yeah. Every yeah. time, every time we say Redskins, we got to put a dollar in the jar. Washington football team. Yeah. So he, Curtis Samuel, he's been out with his groin injury on and off. It sounds like he's going to need some type of surgery eventually, right there. They're just trying to manage him to get him through the year, you know. And he got uh, Duami uh, Brown. He's been missing time, you know. And so you look at all those weapons. All you really have is Terry McLaurin, who's probably going to get double, and then you have Ricky Seals Jones in that offense who's going up against the chiefs this week so you said week six they're going up against the chiefs so they're gonna have to keep pace with that team meaning they're gonna have to pretty much throw the ball and keep pace with this team i expect him again to get seven to eight targets with that team now what he does with that who knows but that's one of those players that you know he's not the biggest name but a guy that you can plug in and play all right so i keep mine short on that same thing uh tyler hinky uh, Heineke, Heineke, sorry, Ty, Tyler Heineke, quarterback for the Washington football team as well. 
a lot of the reasons why Los just mentioned in playing the Chief, which Ramon mentioned last last uh, segment, playing the 32, 32nd, which is the last, the worst NFL defense in NFL. Tyler performed well against the Giants, uh, which is another poor defense. He kind of just, he kind of, kind of slacked off against uh, the LA Chargers, but who would? LA Chargers has a pretty decent defense, but I think that Tyler is going to have to throw just like Carlos said. So that is my guy who I feel like is going to have a pretty good week. Probably a top, I, I say a top 12 QB performance uh, for all this. So if you if you're there, you, you you're kind of skeptical about Daniel Jones. He went down last week with the concussion, and you really need some quarterback help there. I think that Tyler Tyler is a very sneaky good play for this week, just based on his matchup. Yeah, see, y'all made this difficult for me because I was going Washington football team as well, but I was going with my guy, Scary Terry, for the, wow. a, a lot of reasons that y'all were mentioning, <laughs> especially with him having that tough matchup with Marshawn last week. I know that he was going to have it on his mind. Uh, but seeing it, if there's anyone else that I, that I can give you, uh, I don't really have an under-the-radar guy, but I do think that you know we may be finally in store for Diggs to have a breakout week. I think that he's been kind of just steady so far throughout the course of this year, but he hasn't been what people have, you know, drafted as him as a top three receiver. So I think he's been more so in that um, teens range as a, a receiver, like maybe wide receiver 15 or so. And I think that against that Tennessee secondary, against that defense that you can see Diggs have a showing that you would more so expect him to have. Um, I know that, you know, Dawson Knox has been getting the targets and I know that also uh, Emmanuel Sanders has been getting them. But I think that um, I think that Diggs is due. I'll say one more real quick and I'll make it quick, fellas. Um, I'll say Kadarius Tony. You know, you look at what he's done over the last couple of weeks. And as I know, he he has, you know, eight catches, one punch, you know, in there in ejection. But I'll just say, um, you know, with his opportunity with Kenny Galladay going out and he looks special with the ball in his hand right now. You know, he looks really special. I'm really upset. And I have to admit this because I know it's probably the time is over now that I admitted that I really like him. But I'm really upset that Ramon picked him up in our OB league. Cause I was like, well, you know what? Let me just wait a little bit. Let me scoop him up later. Nobody wants him. Nobody's going to get him. Next thing I know, I get a notification on my sleeper app that says, Oh, uh, Ramon Hardy has just scooped up a player. And I look at him like, of course he scooped up my guy. And so I'm still <laughs> upset. I'm a little salty about it. Cause I could have used him this week, but the point stands that he he's going to get the opportunity. Now he looks like a little bit. This is for the old school listeners. Dante Hall with the ball in his hand, just because when he get the ball, He's slippery, and he he can make a move and take it. He can get that yak, that yards at the catch. So I like Kadarius Tony too, especially with the receivers being banged up there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that uh, that, I, I agree. I like I like Kadarius a lot. You know how I will. I spoke of him before the season started. He was my guy. Uh, um. So man, let's move on. So the top matchup in the NFL this week. Uh, we enter into Week Six. Who? Which matchup this Sunday or Monday? or even Thursday, that you're looking forward to this week? I'll go first. I, I like that Ravens-Chargers game. I'm really looking forward to it. I think that the Ravens are coming off some momentum off that win off the Colts. And then we, we get to see uh, the Chargers. They're, they're a good team. They look really, really good. But we get to see just actually how good these teams are. You got Lamar against uh, against Justin Herbert. So, it should be a great, great game. I'm expecting a lot of points to be scored. Uh, I'm expecting it to be a, a, a masterpiece. Um, I think that it's a, a NFL game matchup of the year candidate. Um, I think that fireworks are going to be blowing up. But I, I, like, I really like that matchup. And if I was to guess who to win, uh, let's see here. Um, I'm gonna go. I, I think. I think the. Uh, I think the, the Ravens are gonna win this one, man. It's gonna be close. Uh, the Ravens are favorited as three. They're three points favorite playing at home, but I'm gonna go with the Ravens here. I think that they're gonna pull it off. Uh, I think it's gonna be really close though. Um, I guess I'll chime in next. I think that you probably did take the best matchup, so I'll go in a different route here. And um, this is from regards of I think that this team is going to continue to show you that they for real, Rob. And I'm going to take that Cardinals-Browns matchup. You know, they're sitting at 5-0 right now. You still, you know, have not maybe totally gotten on the bandwagon of them just yet. 
I think they're going to show you something this weekend. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. That's a pretty good measuring stick for them. I think it'll be a competitive game just from what the Browns can even present from an offensive end with Baker Mayfield. We know that Odell is struggling, but that run game, that two headed monster back there with Nick Chubb and, uh, and um, why am I forgetting his name right now? Uh, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in that backfield. And then, of course, like I said, that Arizona is legit. And so maybe after this week, let me before we just move on, let me ask you this question. What is it going to take you to make you believe that Arizona is legit? Uh, I'm going to have to see. I think the Browns is a good measuring stick. Uh uh, of, of what they can do. I mean, I, I look at their schedule, like I said before. I mean, they they really hadn't impressed me with any of their wins besides beating the Rams by three, uh, which is Los's Rams. Uh, that's the only one on their schedule I, I really would say was an impressive win. Uh, but, I mean, the Browns, that's a good measuring stick. If they were to beat the Browns, then they go play the Texans, which I can't. Then they, they play the Packers. So if they beat the Browns and then they beat the Packers, then I'm, I'm probably going to raise an eyebrow at it. Gotcha. So yeah. pretty much if they go undefeated, then you'll think they're legit. No, I, I said, <laughs> I mean, if they're able to get, if they're able to beat the Browns, and I know they're going to beat the Texans, and they're able to beat the Cardinals right there, they'll be, what, 8-0? No, they'll be, yeah, they'll be 8-0. So if they beat, if they, if they 8-0, then I, they'll make me believe in it. Yeah, I, I'll say um, my matchup is probably two teams that we had high expectations for or coming to the season, right? Two teams that we thought were going to at least be better than what they are, you know, even if that's not record-wise, it's defensive-wise, you know, and I'll say that's that Chiefs-Washington uh, football team, um, you know, matchup because, again, we thought the Chiefs are obviously going to be better. They're obviously always Super Bowl favorites since Patrick Mahomes pretty much been taking over the league. And then we thought that Washington football team was going to be better defensively. You know, they've been getting manhandled. <laughs> you know, their defensive line is probably top two, you know, with the players they have on there with, you know, obviously Chase on there. And then, you know, you have Sweat on there. You know, you got all these guys. You have four legitimate players that can be pro bowlers on their um, defensive line. And it's just they've been getting torched. You know, I think I don't know if that speaks to the secondary or what. But, you know, they have been two disappointments. And so I think this is a get right game for either one of those teams. You know, you, if it's the Chief or if it's the Redskins. Oh, I'm sorry, the Boston football team. Add Dang it. To it. The jar. Add it to the jaw. Sheesh, man. <laughs> well, I, I agree, man. Those are good matchups. I'll definitely be watching all three of those games. Well, I mean, the, the Ravens and, and Troy, I probably won't because I'll be watching my Saints. But I'll definitely be tuned in the Red Zone to get the highlights. Um, Wait. What? The Saints don't have a body this week? Oh, no, the Saints <laughs> do have a body. Oh, so, but I'll probably you, watch it. No, I mean, I'll be watching Red Zone, not the Saints. Okay, yeah, well, so, yeah. I'll probably be watching Red Zone. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll probably watch Red Zone. I'll catch all the highlights, man. I'm, I'm into fantasy, so you know how that go. Red Zone is, is the way to go. Uh, just wrapping up. We wrapping up, man. Los, welcome back. Man, going forward, it's, it's good to have the team back together, the big three. Uh, we appreciate y'all for rocking with us, man. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcast at. That way you can get notified when we drop an episode and leave a review if you haven't done so already. Tell a friend. Keep rocking with us. We appreciate all the support and the listeners. And until next time, we out of here. Later. Later. <laughs>